It's great to be here. It's great to be in church together. Guys, thank you for leading us so beautifully. Can we just affirm them? Like, it is just a beautiful time. Love seeing that and bias that. I love just being so focused on Jesus like that in worship. Like you're saying, Andrew, it's a beautiful thing to sing truth together like that. Hey, we are in this series. It's about a series about living a victorious life. Um, And so we're looking at these letters to the churches, and it's really interesting what is in there about specific words spoken over a church or even a region of churches. And actually, what do we take out of that today at Coast Community, say on the Central Coast, and what do we apply to the way that we would do life and church? You know, this whole series, Living a Victorious Life, I totally believe there's something within us that's part of our creation. God's created in you and me something within us that wants or has a desire to be victorious. Have you noticed that? Yeah? Or is it just me? There's something in us where there's this desire to overcome. Like we're not just going, oh, well, let all this bad stuff happen to me. It's just the way it is. It's not the way we live. We want to overcome. We want to be victorious. You mentioned the World Cup. Imagine the World Cup without anyone wanting to win. There might have been a chance. Yeah, see, maybe the Aussies just having a good time, just hanging around. Whatever happens is fine, whatever. It's not in our spirit, is it? There's something deep in all of us that actually celebrates a win. We just want to have a win. You know, most of you know I coach some people and mentor some people and, and every kind of time someone leaves with an action that they want to do and then we kind of have some accountability and, and all the time people can you know, see where they get it wrong but when they get a win, it just does something in your spirit. I just want to look for the wins. I just want to look for the wins. Let's resonate with that and be people that live a victorious life. We can expect that. We can step into that and trust God in that. You know what? Usually, the bigger the battle, the bigger the struggle, the bigger whatever's going on, the sweeter the victory. Have you noticed that? Yeah. When we've kind of stepped into something and we have overcome, we've endured, and God's brought a victory about, that's a celebration in our spirit. Can we live that kind of life? Can we expect it? Trust him to see that kind of thing go on. So seven letters to seven churches, Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And so we're kicking off to this, this letter here. Actually, yeah, thank you. This is, this is the format I want to look at. Actually, I'm going to go, no, we'll stay there. We'll stay there. This is the format we're kind of looking at because there's these themes to these letters. And the format is that there's something about Jesus, about a description about him, which is very interesting. There's this commendation, like this is what's going good within you. Actually, there's a complaint or something that's not quite right. We need to get that sorted out. There's a correction. There's a way forward. We just sang about Jesus being a way maker. Yeah. And then there's a promise. And so I want to look at use that framework as we look through this passage today. So this is a church in Thyatira. Interesting name. This is the letter that was actually spoken to them, very specifically given to John in the vision. Here it is. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from the Son of God. It doesn't get much more direct from Jesus than that. Whose eyes are like flames of fire, 
whose feet are like polished bronze. Pretty interesting. Pretty full on. I know all the things you do. So this is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is the message he is personally bringing to this church. I know all the things you do. I have seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in all of these things. But I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. See, she teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. Therefore, this is pretty full on, I will throw her on a bed of suffering, and those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. I will strike her children dead. That's actually her followers, her followers, I'm dead, then all churches will know that I'm the one who searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person, and I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. But I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this false teaching, deeper truths as they call them, depths of Satan actually. (laughs) Interesting. I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over the nations. And they will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. And they will have the same authority I received from my Father and I will also give them the morning star. And anyone with ears to hear must listen to spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. Got it? <laughs> Got it? Oh, yeah, Andrew, I'm glad you're doing this one. It's interesting. And it's important that we read scripture in context, and it's important we kind of go a bit deeper and understand what is really going on here. And I want to explore that today. And so I want to step through that format and go, what, what is Jesus? What's a description of Jesus? What a description of Jesus! Can I ask you, what's your picture of Jesus? I think we all kind of just picture this guy, looks a bit like Roe, but a bit darker hair. He's got a healthy kind of beard going on. You know, a couple of robes. And um, pretty nice kind of guy. You know, pretty warm kind of guy to be around. It's interesting the picture we have of Jesus. I reckon we all got it wrong, by the way. I mean, Jesus in a resurrected body and he would be way more than anything we could imagine. But we get insights. And what an insight we have here. Literally radiant. Eyes, flaming torches and feet that are like bronze that's highly polished. I mean, they would have got that in Thyatira. They had lots of bronze and metalwork kind of going on. But can I just pause there for a moment? Because... If we've not got a correct picture of Jesus, and when I talk about that, I'm not just picturing about what he looks like, although that's part of it, but his nature and his character and how he sees you. If, that's, if, that's, if we haven't got a fairly accurate kind of picture of that, we're going to distort everything that we read in Scripture. We're going to distort everything that we see in life. 
What's interesting, this picture of Jesus, right, so flaming eyes and bronze feet, it's, it's almost, it's actually an identical vision that Daniel had 536 years before Jesus even walked the earth. It's incredible. I want to show you this picture. This is Daniel's. It's from Daniel 10. And check it out. It's even, it's even got the date. Actually, I haven't got it. I just want to read it to you. Um, what I'd like you to do, actually, is to visualise this. Can I just get you to visualise this? This is Daniel. So this is similar. So here's a vision come to John about um, a letter to the church in Thyatira. It's a vision that John had. This is a vision that Daniel had. And, and both of these were actually experiences. They, they were more than just vision, visions. Check this out. This is Daniel. Can I ask you to close your eyes and picture this? Can you put yourself in Daniel's shoes? Picture this. On April 23... As I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, can you see it yet? So you stand there, the side of the river. I looked up and I saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face, his face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale and I felt very weak. And then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted, and I lay there with my face to the ground. And just then, a hand touched me and lifted me, and still trembling to my hands and my knees. And then the man said to me, Daniel, I want you to get this here, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I've been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. While he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground, unable to say a word. And then the one who looked like a man, he touched my lips. And I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing in front of me, I am filled with anguish because of the vision I've seen, my Lord, and I'm very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. And then the one who looked like a man, he touched me again and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said. For you are very precious to God. Peace. Be encouraged. Be strong. And as he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, Please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. What a powerful experience. What an encounter with the living God. 
And if you still close your eyes or if you've gone to sleep, now's the time to kind of just open them up again and just give you a little hint. Why would I take some time there? Because I believe if we haven't got a picture of what Jesus is like, including how he sees you, what he believes in you and what he wants to do in your life, we might as well give up there because we will distort everything else we see. Here's the heart that I believe someone needs to hear today. This is a message from Jesus to Daniel. It's the same yesterday, today, forever. And for some people today, I believe they need to hear these words directly from God. Don't be afraid. You are very precious to God. Peace. Be encouraged. Be strong. I don't know who that's for. Maybe it's just for me. But God, I want want to be the messenger today, even to our church, to say, you you are very precious to God, more than you would ever know. You can have peace, you can be encouraged, you can be strong. Because like we just sung, God is with you. He's with us. I'd love just to kind of pause there and have a conversation with everyone and go, so tell me, tell me how you feel God sees you. You're precious to him. Is so precious. Even if it's your first time here to church today, ever, ever been in church, man, I hope you can walk away going, man, Jesus thinks I'm precious to him. Yep, absolutely. So a bit of a description about Jesus at the start of this letter to the church in Thyatira. And then there's this commendation that says, I know all the things that you do. I've seen your love, your faith, your service and your patient endurance. And I can see your constant improvement in all of these things. See, Jesus sees. Jesus knows. He does. He sees you. He knows you. Later on, it says in that passage, it says, I'm the one who searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person. He sees. He knows. He not only sees what you do, he actually knows what's going on in your heart and mind. And again, he thinks you're very precious. So we get this stance and go, oh, got to care for what language I use. Jesus knows all the things in my heart and my mind. Yeah, he does. And he thinks you're very precious. He actually sees you without fault in his eyes, it says in his word. So this is saying, he sees you, he knows you, he knows what you're trying to do, he knows your good intentions, he knows what you want to do. And he goes, it's a good thing, and I see you improving in that. This is, the, this is what he's saying to the church. You know, he's got these flaming eyes, he can kind of, he, he can see into, into our soul, he, he knows what's going on, and it's a good thing. Again, if we've got the wrong picture, that we're just fearful of that. It's not that at all. It's like, man, Jesus sees, knows me, and he loves me. He knows what I'm doing for him. He can see what I'm doing. He knows what I want to do. He knows what my dreams are and how I can make a difference in this world. Yep, he sees all that. He knows it. He's pleased with it. In this church, he has a complaint. He says, but I have this complaint against you, and it's really strong. See, this church in Thyatira, there's many church, many pastors in this church, really, if we use our modern-day language. And this church permitted a, a woman, in this case, that was like Jezebel from the Old Testament, which was married to a king of Israel. And she had a leadership gift. 
She had strong influence and she was deliberately leading people away from Jesus. Massive issue. But the church permitted it. See, back then the church was trying to grow like we are today. And some people saw that, that this, this lady, this woman had a leadership gift. In fact, she was, she's actually known as a false prophet. She actually had 850 false prophets following her. It's pretty big. It's pretty big leadership, pretty big influence. And the church thought they could still somehow use her gift and see the church grow. So they permitted her to be among the church, connecting with people, talking into people's lives. But she was absolutely leading people astray. In this case, into sexual sin and into food that was offered to idols. And for some, that was a real, led people away from Jesus. Full on issue. Now, there is this reference to Jezebel. She was the wife of probably the most evil king that Israel had. And she was a false prophet. She did have the gift of leadership. She had 850 false prophets following her. And back in those days, there was many false prophets that actually led people to worship other gods. It's called Baal worship, and they'd make up a god for all kinds of things. And there was many gods, and they kind of threw them all in the mix. And there's, here's the Lord Yahweh, and then there's all these other gods as well, all in the mix. Totally wrong. Jezebel was doing that, but differently, her agenda was to actually replace the Lord with these other gods. And so it's a pretty harsh reference to Jezebel. But that's what was going on in this local church. I tell you what, Jesus has a big issue with people who were intentionally leading people astray. Big issue. That's why the harsh judgment. He's got eyes that see and he's got eyes like flaming arrows that can judge. Jesus can judge. He's got a major issue with people who lead people away from himself so there was real compromise in the church and there's this principle I think that exists that says this what you permit creates culture do you realise that? like we can actually be intentional about all things we want to do as a church but also what we allow to happen what we permit if something's not healthy that can create a very unhealthy culture so there's reference to her leading people into sexual sin, which is a massive issue today, and food offered to idols. What the heart of this passage is talking about is really spiritual adultery. It's actually spiritually having a major focus and be led astray to something else that's big in your life other than God himself. It's a spiritual adultery issue, and Jesus has really big issues with that. Good news is, see, the heart of God, he said, I'm, I'm giving this woman time to repent. I'm giving her time to repent. But she doesn't want to. So we've got free will. So Jesus wants everyone to come back to him. Jesus wants everyone to repent, which means just change your ways. Turn away from whatever's distracting you, whatever's got that centre place in your life, and put Jesus there. He wants everyone to do that. So the correction, it's... it's really a repentance thing for these scenario, the people that are following her and the people that are actually leading people astray. But for the people 
in the church who weren't engaged in this and hadn't been led astray. There was this big call. It was more like this is the direction. This is the way. It's interesting we sung Waymaker today. This is the message I have for the rest of you. If not follow the false teaching, deeper truths. See, we're in a culture now where truth is actually just whatever you want it to be. Very interesting. We'll be very careful we know what truth is. Depths of Satan, Jesus calls it. You know, people can masquerade any kind of truth, but it's actually depths of Satan. That's a big call. Jesus says to the church, I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come. Hold tightly to his truth. Hold tightly to Jesus. You hang on. You hold tightly right to the end. That's how you'll be victorious. That's how you'll overcome. Hold tight. And the promise, the promise is, my goodness, you will be victorious. You, your obedience will lead to actually you seeing me give you authority. Give you authority over the nations. That's an interesting thought. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be interesting. There'll be this shepherding, this kind of rule in some form where we're given the same authority that Jesus has given. My goodness. And we'll actually be given the morning star. Cool. Whatever that means. Now, that is interesting. It does mean, it does mean that you're given Jesus. The reference is the morning star is Jesus. And you can see that. Um, I don't know if I've got it here or not. I'll get it later. In Revelation 22, Jesus says that I am the morning star. He makes it very clear. He opens up with that. In that time, they, people actually worshipped a star. It was the morning star. It was the first star. It was the planet Venus. And they would actually worship that. So it's a direct link to go, you think you're worshipping God. I'm the morning star and I will give you myself. What a promise. So Jesus wants to give his followers this authority to rule and to shepherd and actually give him, give you Jesus himself. Pretty cool. Here, Revelation 26. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. Now, there's some pretty amazing stuff in there, and I wish we could unpack that more. What I do want to unpack is go, what does that mean for us as Coast Community? What does it mean? What do we take away? Like right now, this is written a long time ago to a region specifically because Jesus saw what was going on. What does it mean for Coast Community? At the end of this passage, says, anyone who has ears to his must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. This is my perspective. It's just my perspective, but this is what I believe this passage means for us right now as Coast Community. The first thing is, I think it's this, that Jesus wants to tell you and me that he sees you, that he sees you, that he knows you, and it's a good thing. He sees all that you do. He sees your faithful service. He sees your patient endurance. He sees your love. He sees your faith. He sees your good intentions. He sees and he knows. Do you know it actually helps to when someone can just kind of go, yep, I see you. I know you. I know what you're doing. Whatever you're doing for God. 
Have you ever heard someone say things like, oh, nobody cares, no one sees what I do, no one's seen the hours of preparation I've done, no one sees what I do behind the scenes, all that kind of language. Has anyone heard that kind of? Well, Jesus sees you. Jesus knows you. He knows what you're doing and he's stoked about it, that you're active with him in his mission, in his world. Even in the context of Coast Community, whatever you were doing in contributing to what Jesus is doing here, Jesus sees you and he knows you. He knows you. The other thing I think is really important for us as a church is that we don't permit anybody in leadership or anyone in an influential way who can distort, confuse or add to the truth of Jesus Christ. I'm, you know what, I am really stoked that we have an eldership in our church that takes that seriously. That wants to lead and govern and provide spiritual leadership and to discern all kinds of things, including that. It's interesting, you go, well, does that kind of stuff happen today? I think it can happen very subtly, actually. But it can. It can happen today. It can happen in lots of ways. You know, I just um, heard of a church um, whose pastor served faithfully for a very long time, many, many years. And then at some point he declares that he doesn't believe in the Trinity, God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. A little bit of an issue and so he ended up not being pastor of that church. Now that's a big story, you know, but it happens. You know, there's people that can walk into this space any time, any day. It's a public space. And there's people that can walk in who can almost declare within themselves that they have some kind of um, leadership or influence or prophetic gift and just declare it over themselves. And I've seen someone walk into our church who has felt that way in a way and wanted to exercise that influence and leadership in people's lives and I felt really, really uncomfortable about it. And I remember, I don't feel that very often, but I remember one time this person was kind of walking up and up and back of, at the church while a service was going on and walking down an aisle and, and then walking over to someone and saying something to someone and they got up and left and interesting. I don't think I've ever felt it where I just had to stop. Can happen. And so we want to be very careful as a church and I say us whoever's in Coast Community, that, that we're aware that we don't want to permit anything that's unhealthy that can lead people astray. It's not part of our vision to be healthy, growing, full of love. But if we're not careful, that stuff can happen. And we can think people have got good intentions. But you know what? If that's going on, Jesus has a big issue with it. And this can happen lots. Check this Check this passage out. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcome. But if you cause one of these little ones who trust me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and drown in the depths of the sea. That's a big call. What sorrow awaits the world um, because it tempts people to sin. Temptations are inevitable. So we're going to have temptation. 
but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting. So that's really wide. That can look a whole bunch of different ways. But as a church, we want to be really careful about what we permit to actually happen in the life of our church. For things that aren't aligned with Jesus, that aren't aligned to his truth. You know, there's a... I totally believe that we have everything we need as a church to do everything that God's called us to do. Now, we think financially, and I believe that, but even the gifts that God's placed in our church. And you know what? There's a gift that, that Jesus places in his people, in some people, called discernment. Has anyone heard that? It's a beautiful gift. It's a gift that I, that I really appreciate people having. And when people that I know in our church that have the gift of discernment, I really pay attention to what they say because I want... If you've got the gift of discernment, you kind of got this, it is a gifting to kind of know very quickly if someone's got an agenda that's not actually lined up with the truth of Jesus. That's pretty cool to have that. We've got that in our church. Now, I've spoken with some people who have this kind of gift, and I remember one person would say that they, they don't even value that gift because it's not something that happens like, a, oh, not, I can't play an instrument or I can't sing and so that is a very powerful gift. And I just want to encourage you, if, if you have a gift of discernment, that, that's, that's a very valuable gift in the life of a church, to discern when things are actually just that bit off, because you'll discern it really quickly. And so use it. Use it in a way that's healthy. You can chat with any pastor about that. So let's be careful of what we permit, because what we permit changes culture. I mean, that happens in all kinds of ways. Have you ever had this at home where, I've had it at home, where um, you can kind of let your language slip a little bit and then some words come out that you kind of think, man, would, and they can come out and then all of a sudden your kids start saying those same words and you go, what are you saying there? What you got language like that for? It's actually what you permit actually changes the culture. It's pretty hard to bring it back if you let something go. You know, I've heard, I've heard stories, I won't, I won't mention more, but let's be very careful about what we permit. The other thing I think is really important is that we keep Jesus as the absolute centre of our lives and the absolute centre of our focus of worship. You know, that we have this vulnerability where we can be led astray. The classic Colin Buchanan song out of Isaiah is rattling around in my heads. We all like sheep have gone astray. And Jesus has paid the price for that and he's completely forgiven us for that, but we still have a vulnerability to be led astray. And so we have to be very careful that we actually ground ourselves in truth. You know, the enemy is so subtle, he'll want to actually just get in there, put people around you and use the things that Jesus has created in this world to actually lead you astray from him, to take your focus off him and actually place things that are created by the creator in the place of worship. There's heaps of things in our culture that can lead us astray. I mean, I can start naming them, I probably won't, but you kind of get the idea. It's heaps. Anything that kind of takes a major focus in your life. Let's keep Jesus at the centre. Let's not allow spiritual idolatry to happen in our lives. That Jesus is front and centre. That's why I love the fact that we can gather together and worship him. 
And we do it through song. You can worship in lots of ways. It's a beautiful thing to do. You know what? I believe that I have a word for us today as a church. And it's actually a word that Kelly actually spoke, my wife Kelly, um, months ago. And it kind of has just kind of stayed with me, this word. And I feel like it was confirmed as I've prepared this message. I believe out of this message to the church in Thyatira, there's a word for us as a church today. That if we grab this word, we're going to be able to do whatever God wants us to do and be the church that God wants us to be. It's one word. And I believe it's an absolute word for us today. And I feel a real resolution in my spirit about that. This is the word. is to be steadfast. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Can I encourage us? Can I speak this over us? Me, us as a church, that, that we be steadfast. It's an interesting word. It means this if you look up the dictionary. Firm in purpose, resolution, faith, and attachment. Like, can we be steadfast, immovable, steadfast in, in declaring that Jesus is who he says he is, steadfast in holding to the truth of how he wants us to live our lives, steadfast in declaring that Jesus is alive, that he is the Son of God, totally attached to him with a deep faith, with roots going right down. Can we be steadfast? This was kind of the message to the church. Hold tightly. Hold tightly to the truth. Don't allow people to lead you astray. They're depths of Satan. You know, we're in a culture, so you only need to hold tight when there's actually resistance. You only need to hold tight when there's a storm. You only need to hold tight when there's this pressure to pull you away from something. We're in a culture right now where I totally believe, man, we've got to be grounded on the rock and steadfast and hold firm right to the end. We're in a storm in our culture with all kinds of things going on and you and me represent the church, represent Jesus and we have the truth that the world needs so desperately. And if we can be steadfast and stand strong, we will see that happen. You know, steadfast, it talks about Jesus like this, for no one can lay any foundations other than what is being laid, which is Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.11 like he, he is the foundation, he's the cornerstone. He, he is who we belong to, we're attached to him. So if Jesus, if we build our house on the rock, we actually ride in there with Jesus at the foundation. Peter declares that Jesus is the son of God and Jesus says on this rock, which is the declaration that Peter made, that Jesus is the son of God, on that rock I will build my church. As we declare and hold fast that Jesus is the way, He is the Son of God. We will see his church built. And then as Peter Carbalist reminded us in the Lord's Prayer series, when Jesus said it on the end of Matthew 7, that, you know, build your life on this rock, on this foundation, he was talking about the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' teaching of truth. And so can we be a church that holds tight, that is steadfast, 
that attaches ourselves firmly through any circumstance, any cultural shift, any cultural trend on Jesus. Declare that he's the son of God and build our lives on the truth of Jesus' teaching. And be very careful not to permit anything other than that in our lives and in our church. Can I pray about that? Lord, I thank you that you're a God who knows us, sees us. Thank you, God. Pray, God, that, Lord, that that would actually, like Daniel, would encourage us and strengthen us. And I thank you, God, that your heart is to actually lift us up, to actually look us in the eye and tell us that we're very precious to you in your sight. Thank you, God. Lord, I thank you that you see us and know us. You know our intentions and our thoughts. Even when we don't get it right, you know our intentions. And God, help us to continually improve like the church in Thyatira were doing. Lord, I pray that we'd have a discernment when things or someone comes into our midst that may just have an agenda that's not you or the potential to lead people astray. Lord, help us to discern that really quickly. And I pray, God, that we'd see people that maybe in our community or wherever, who are leading people astray from you, God. I pray that there'd be repentance and we'd see people turn to you. Lord, I pray that as a church that we can be steadfast. Jesus, that we can stand in you, live in you, put our roots deep in you and declare that you are the Son of God by revelation from your Father. And God, I pray that on that rock that we would partner with you to build up your church. Lord, I pray that we'd stand strong. And Lord, I pray that your truth, your words revealed in your scripture would be how we live our lives. Lord, I thank you for the grace when we don't get it right. I pray, God, that your grace would empower us to live aligned with your truth and to actually speak that out and encourage people in that. So Lord, I pray that we would be a church that is steadfast. And Lord, in all that, I pray that people would see you at the centre and that you'd be given all the glory and all the honour and all the praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can I encourage you in this next song? I'm preacher the converted, I know, but can we stand in that, in this song, when we declare truth about who Jesus is? Can we stand steadfast and have a picture that we're, we're standing like in Jesus, on Jesus, that he's a rock, he's a foundation, and our declaration that Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords is a rock that we build our life on. And to actually speak that out and sing it and to worship him at the centre of our lives. Mm. Cool. Have a blessed day. Trust that it encourages you. Trust you can leave here feeling like there's a strength in your spirit because you've seen Jesus just speak that into your world. Mm, thanks, guys. Appreciate you leading us.